Okay, so Kerry Fitz here, back with Julie Woods, author of How to Make a Silver Lining and her latest book. Julie? Why not? What a blind woman said to do you want to referee a game of new touch rugby and more. <laughs> I love it. So you have so many great stories to share and I really appreciate uh, you having already shared about your key number one in dealing with extraordinary change, which is so relevant for everybody now. And so you talked about asking for help. And, uh, and so moving on to key number two, would you like to share with us about how you found peer support? Yes, so when I went blind, it moved me towards a group of people who are now like me. So mm -hmm. before I went blind, I was partially sighted for 13 years, Kerry, and that was a really hard place to be because uh, there was no support. So I wasn't surrounded by people who were like me. Mm. I didn't belong anywhere. I didn't belong in the sighted world and I didn't belong in the blind world. So when I went blind, I finally got to move towards others who were like mm. me. And that's just such a huge relief and um, gives you a sense of belonging. It feels yeah. like you've arrived at home when you've been in limbo for so long. I can't, I can't mm. um, explain how great it felt to find other people who were like me and that was at the foundation for the blind so I met other blind people who couldn't see I mm. met a blind man who had power eyes I met a blind woman who could read with her fingers I met a blind man who ran marathons I met another blind woman who used a chainsaw <laughs> and I met wow. a blind man who mowed his lawn with one shoe on and one shoe off so all of a sudden I was meeting all these blind people who were doing the things that I thought I couldn't. And that was really inspiring for me because it helped me see that um, I was, I could do think the things that I thought I couldn't before I didn't think that I could, mm. you know, use, well, I haven't used a chainsaw, but you know, read with my fingers or walk a half marathon. But when I saw other people that could do it, I thought, oh, maybe I could do some of those things. Yeah, Julie, I remember you telling me years ago about that moment on the lounge after you had said no. It was probably, maybe it was your most significant or only no before you decided to start saying why not. And I, I don't know if we're skipping ahead here, but, um, but there was something that you found that you could do. Um, yes, yes. So I got, asked to go, I got asked to go cross-country skiing. And you hadn't been blind very long at that point? No, a couple of years. And yeah, it was, oh my goodness. I thought, God, cross-country skiing. Something <laughs> might happen to me. I might fall over, you know, blah, blah, a bunch of blind people. That's a bit random. So I went home and I sat on the couch and I thought, you stupid woman, what kind of blind person are you going to make if you turn down opportunities that come your way? So I decided at that moment that I would no longer say no, but instead say why not. And if anyone asked me to do anything, I'd try it once. Yes. And yeah, you're right, Kerry, it does fit in here because it was, when you get asked something, those thoughts, those limiting beliefs come flittering in through your mind and you think, oh no, I can't do that, I can't do that. And then if you learn just to say why not, well, you know, they disappear. And all of the, then, you know, the next minute you're on this pathway and you're doing whatever you said why not to, like 
learning to read with your fingers or learning to touch type go for a walk around the block whatever it is and watching other blind people do those things and saying why not really helped me yeah and I imagine you had that I mean you said watching other blind people do things but you literally are not watching as as visual people would understand but, (laughs) uh, but you had peer support in learning to ski Yes, yeah, well, I didn't, yeah, but I didn't do that in the end, Kerry, because I said no. Oh, I see. Right. So it was everything after that where you started mm. saying, okay, well. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't go back and do that, no. So, and I always say to people, I've never been asked to go cross-country skiing again. <laughs> so these things can really be once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. Yeah. So it's really makes it even more important that you say, why not? Wow, yeah. So, um, and, and we'll... I think down the track we'll talk about some of the really incredible things that you've said yes to. But in the meantime, uh, as we're talking about finding peer support, mm. you also gave peer support. And, <laughs> and so <laughs> this is where I would love to hear again. Uh, actually, I've only read it in your book, but I would love to hear your retelling of when you were learning to cook or supporting other blind people to cook. And there you were in the kitchen. Uh, some people had guide dogs. And what was going on as you were... As I was doing that, so I had a friend called Olivia who was a very, very bright young woman, the youngest of 17 in a Vietnamese family, went blind at the age of 18 months through English measles, came to New Zealand and came to Otago University to study law and history. She was exceptionally bright and she was in a, a college, a student college, and then wanted to go flatting. And she said to me, Julie, can you teach me how to cook? Yeah. And I said, sure, why not? Come up to my <laughs> kitchen and we'll invite some blind people around and we'll make a student meal like bangers and mash. Yeah. So she was in the kitchen and I was showing her how to peel a potato, which if you can imagine is quite difficult actually to explain yeah. to a blind person how to peel a potato. And we put the sausages in the oven and at sort of half time, I said, come out and we'll turn them over. So she came out and I said, look, you just get a fork and you put it underneath the sausage and you turn it over like that. Well, the fork got a bit stuck. (laughs) So I, a bit harder with the fork and the sausage bounced over the floor and all the guide dogs that were there scurried up and grabbed and the, the winner got the got the um, hot sausage and of course you can imagine what happened next <laughs> the dog vomited the sausage onto the carpet floor because it was too hot so it was um, yeah it was a, a, an interesting cooking without looking lesson <laughs> shows you what happens when blind people try to be independent uh, I can <laughs> imagine the sound of all of those all of those paws rushing across the yes, yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah. You can hear their harnesses and their chains and their claws. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes, they Sorry, were, doggies. They would have moved very quickly indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. And so, so did she move into an independent living space then? And Yes, she did. She lived into, yes, she did. She moved into, well, a variety of flats. I think she had five other flatmates at one time and now she's got four children. Wow, that's amazing. Mm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so it really is a time to be um, 
finding peer support, offering peer support and, uh, and learning to do things differently. In the first um, episode, we talked about adapting. And uh, yeah, are there any other stories or tips that you'd like to share in relation to this? I, I think looking at the way other people do things. So it's just finding people who are in a similar situation to you and looking for them for inspiration to do things in different ways. Because I think we can always learn to do things differently and be open-minded to what it is we can do differently and, and looking at other people is a, a really great source of inspiration. Mm, absolutely. In so many ways. And mm. I think, you know, back to the beginning, you said that you felt, you felt this sense of belonging, you know, because with the blind community, you're all mm. in this together and mm. uh, that very mm. much is a, is a sense of that in the world right now as That's right. Um, everyone's coming to terms with what COVID-19 means. And, and globally, I think there is such a sense of we're in this together, whether we're um, staying home, staying safe, keeping other people safe, or we're going out to work and being on the front lines. Uh, there's such a sense of community right across the world. And um, yeah, and I think so much inspiration to do things differently. And I think because of the path that you've walked, it's been, uh, how long has it been now? I remember. 23 years. I remember when we first connected, you had just thrown your 10 years blind party. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and acknowledged all the people in your world at that time. Oh, that's right. I've had a 15 years blind party and a 20 years blind celebration since then. So that's bring incredible. them on. Yes. Okay. So should we wrap up there? I want to keep these nice and short for people who are doing little little walks, little exercise, um, you know, journeys out of their house or, <laughs> or just, um, you know, fitting in a quick podcast every now and then. Um, so that is beautiful. Thank you, Julie. And let's come back with number three uh, very soon. Would you like to share what that is? Key number three will be write your own rules. Oh, that sounds exciting. Okay. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Kerry. <laughs>